You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. I am also the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin on Sports Illustrated. If you have not listened before, Locked On Boston College is a daily Boston College podcast hosted by me that talks about everything Boston College throughout the season every single day. You're going to get a 20 to 30 minute podcast with me, a nice digestible podcast that you can enjoy on your own. We're going to have guests. We're going to do analysis. We do all the good stuff. So make sure that you subscribe to Locked On Boston College wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, this is National Signing Day week. It's the early signing period where between December 14th, uh, December 16th, excuse me, and 19th, players can sign with the school of their choice. So you're going to see a bulk of recruits finding their homes in the next couple days. For Boston College, it'll be the 16th. Usually what they get is the bulk of their players. They're going to all sign on, and it'll be done, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered on Wednesday. But there will probably be a few names that trickle in later on that will also uh, sign between now and February. The beginning of February is the, like, true National Signing Day, which is, like, the old traditional one. But for a team like Boston College, that's not going to be that big of a, uh, a an affair for them. They're going to have most of their class done. It's usually something that you see, like, those elite blue chippers that end up at an Alabama or Clemson or, or Ohio State. Um, those are the, the days that those kids will do, like, the little hat, you know, the hat signing periods where they, you know, they have a big ceremony and they decide where they're going to go. Um, in, in a little while, we're going to have John Garcia the director of recruiting at Sports Illustrated joining us to talk about Boston College's recruiting class. He's going to give his perspective, um, and he's done some analysis of some of the players uh, that Boston College has signed, so he's going to give us a little bit of a breakdown of what he thinks of the class and uh, you know, talk a little bit about what recruiting has been like in uh, the uh, COVID-19 era. On tomorrow's show, we are going to have Otto Hess the offensive lineman who is going to have been signed by Boston College at that point. He's going to talk to us about his journey to Boston College. You're not going to want to get miss that. He's going to be a future Boston College star. You're going to want to hear what Otto Hess has to say, and we'll talk to him about that uh, for Wednesday's show. So let's just kick it off with recruiting news because it's National Signing Day week, so let's get into it. Obviously, Boston College fans have two names on their mind right now, uh, and that would be Drew Kendall, and George Rooks. Those are the two four-star recruits that have Boston College in their final groupings that have been leaning towards Boston College but have not officially committed to Boston College. Not official, but, you know, verbally committed to Boston College yet. Kendall, the son of legendary BC offensive lineman Pete Kendall, is the one everyone wants to know about. And I have some news. So some interesting news. So he's going to decide this week um, he's going to make his choice, and that is probably the most news we've gotten out of uh, the Kendall camp in a long time, and that's fine. You know, he wants to keep it cl- close to the vest, but he's going to sign. So for me, that usually means they're going to po- we'll probably know by Wednesday where Drew Kendall is going to go. Now, I have my sources, and I don't give them out, that have the odds are very good 
that he's going to end up at Boston College. So I know a lot of people have been asking me about him. And what I've heard is, um, you know, all the crystal balls on 247 have been pointing towards it. But I've heard uh, a lot of rumblings from other, my sources that say, and those are not just other websites. I have my, my people that say that B, uh, Drew Kendall will end up at Boston College. So that's big news for BC. That, you know, Boston College's class on most sites is around like 39 or 40. This is going to give them another four-star recruit. Uh, one of the tops that they're going to have in their class. Um, and, you know, obviously he's a legacy and, uh, you you know, the top recruit in Massachusetts as well. This is big. De- this is a big deal. So hopefully he that, you know, th- I, it's not 100 percent according to my source, but it sounds like it's 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 going to happen. The other piece of news, and I talked about it on SI on my site, BC Bulletin today, has to do with Trevin Wallace. Trevin Wallace is a linebacker. You know, I think a lot of people were really bummed when he decommitted from BC. He was number 75 in the country. He was a real under-the-radar player that Jeff Halfley identified early and got on campus, but then fell in love with a bunch of SEC schools and decommitted. Um, I have it on good uh, ground that he has st- he's still talking to Boston College. Now, I know there's been all sorts of different reports out there that he is talking to BC, that he's not. From my sources, he is talking to Boston College. So I don't think the door's shut. Now, am I confident he's going to end up at Boston College? No. But it's not like a done deal that he's going to end up in the SEC. And as I mentioned, the big deal is that Gus Melzahn has already been fired, and that's a coach that I think he wanted to go play for. Now, the big thing to watch for at Auburn is whether or not um, Kevin Steele, their defensive coordinator, takes the head coaching job. Now, I don't understand why Auburn would pick him up. I know he's had a real tough time as a head coach, um, and I don't know why he'd move on from Melzahn to him. But if he stays, then there's probably a good chance that uh, Trevin Wallace will stay. But you'll have to you'll have to wait to see. Wallace also, I've heard, has talked to South Carolina, um, who just hired Shane Beamer. Um, they, he's talked to Kentucky and uh, LSU and uh, Tennessee and Ole Miss, excuse me. So Lane Kiffin and you know his whole thing is you know he's in on uh, Trevin Wallace. So the odds I I'm gonna guess are not very good. But it's gonna he's gonna be a guy that will not sign. I doubt he'll sign by Wednesday. This is a kid that's gonna slow roll this. He's gonna wanna know what's going on at Auburn. So keep your eyes open for that. Now in terms of late flips from Boston College, I don't expect any on Wednesday. I think this entire class is in for Boston College. A lot of the kids have already said that, you know, they're signing with Boston College. I saw um Bryce Steele say that, you know, with the Eagles hashtag get in and the Eagle emoji. So I expect him to sign. I don't think he's going to be a late second flip or anything like that. And, you know, some of the other kids that had late offers like um, Nigel Tate, Owen Stoudemire, they're they're definitely going to stay with Boston College. So don't expect any shenanigans late um, in the game that way. But we'll be looking to see if Kendall and George Rooks do commit. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk to John Garcia of Sports Illustrated. He's the director of recruiting about Boston College's recruiting class. He's going to give us some analysis of what he noticed. He is the premier guy to talk to when it comes to giving you the insight of what the recruiting class really looks like and why uh, you know, certain players are going to pop and certain things are you know going to go well for Boston College. He's going to give us his insight when we come back. But I want to talk about Coors Light first. Coors Light is the beer that I drink when I need to chill. 
And this period of the year, it's always go, 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 you know, with work and family events. And hopefully you're not, you're doing those all socially, uh, you know, appropriately and all the things going on in the world. You need your moments to just hit that stop button and chill. And that's when Coors Light can enter your life. You know, there's so much football on. And, you know, this weekend is conference championship weekend. And I am looking forward to watching Clemson and Notre Dame and Florida and Alabama. I have got a nice groove in the couch ready for me for a long day of watching football. And when I do, I'm going to crack a Coors Light. It's the perfect beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, this is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. I am here with John Garcia. He is the Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated, and he is here to talk to us about National Signing Day, the early period. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good, AJ. Just uh, excited like like the rest of us, trying to see what, what this year looks like. I'm expecting the unexpected, like pretty much everything else in 2020. I know you must be crazy busy right now. Um, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Boston College. And, you know, they're a school that doesn't pop in terms of the big recruits, but they're, they're, you know, obviously in a power five program, they need to figure out how to find guys that fit their system. John, when you look at what Je- Jeff Halfley and his staff have done so far this year, what have you noticed in terms of evaluations or, in terms of what, how they've been able to put together this class of 2021? Well, first of all, you see an aggression, right? Um, you, you see targets and commitments coming from all over the country. I think 12 states are represented on this commitment list, which for any Power 5 program is a lot. I mean, you're talking, uh, you know, a national footprint um, for a place like Boston College, which is not something that you would – automatically assume so I like the aggression from a geographical standpoint um, and, and then I like the evaluation trust that Halfley has w- with himself and with the staff a lot of these guys were either identified by BC and, and locked in first like a Trevin Wallace where everyone else is trying to get in with him and, and, and snag him on their commitment list and rightfully so big time prospect but there's also this willingness to take chances which which goes in hand with aggression and casting a wide net and trusting your gut and your evaluation. You know, I'm really familiar with prospects in the state of Alabama from, from my past. And and not only does BC have two guys committed, but you know, Quintavious Hutchins was really a guy relatively new to, to playing football, uh, to, to playing that side of the ball, pass rushing kind of came out of nowhere in 2020. One of these guys that was, literally fortunate enough to, to play a season and, and get to go to college for free because of that. You know, it takes a lot to take that chance that late without as much tape, without as much polish and experience. And that's something that, that BC was able to do. And I know, you know, the, the alignment from IMG, Ilya Krenjavik is, is the easy go-to kind of like talk about taking a chance. This kid had never even, you know, set foot on a football field or, or been in this country uh, before before 2020, but um, I, I like taking chances not only on on 
physical prospects like him, 6'8", 330, whatever he is, but also with guys with, with minimal experience who, who don't have that unique sort of, um, you know, easy to latch onto storyline. So I, I like that that Halfling Company are casting a wide net, playing aggressive uh, in the recruiting game, and, and also not, not being afraid to take kids that early. Um, there are a lot of programs that are sort of on the same tier as a BC that will like a kid, really fall in love with a kid and try to keep it really quiet because they know big brother's coming. You know, they know other power five schools are in the mix or maybe those higher on the food chain. But, um, you know, BC's had some fluctuation on their commitment list because they're willing to play play ball with the big boys per se. Um, so um, I'm liking what I'm finding out the more I look into this BC group. Yeah, no, you mentioned, you know, the evaluation piece and it the the world of college football and especially college football recruiting was kind of turned on its head because of COVID-19. Now, one of the big things, you know, when you look at BC recruiting in years past has been camps. They, you know, they would have kids in for camp and they'd be able to evaluate what kids they're going to offer and what kids they're going to take and what kids they're going to take flyers on. But for mo- for the most part, that those camps you know, either it didn't happen or BC couldn't get there to, to make, you know, to evaluate kids, you know, how big of a change in terms of evaluation was this year for coaches around the country? Yeah, it's, it's really immeasurable, AJ. Um, like you mentioned, colleges couldn't put on their own camps. Um, third parties couldn't put on most of their own camps beyond, uh, you know, the month really of February. Of, of 2020. So you're talking almost a year between the last time any of these coaches at any level really saw any of the guys they want to sign on Wednesday in person, you know, which is just crazy to think about. Usually there's some workarounds, right? Go watch the kid play another sport, maybe meet, meet him at his house for an in-home visit and you can eyeball him and, and kind of sit with him and, and really discover at least physically what type of prospect this is. Heck, it happens on visits all the time. You know, there's just lines of kids getting measured height, weight, wingspan, all of that. So you don't even have any of those elements, much less a combination of them, which is what you normally have. So to to trust your gut on top of not being able to physically see it in person takes that much more sort of courage and sort of, um, I think, an understanding with your staff, like, hey, we're going to value the tape but we're going to take some chances here along the way. And I think that's about as 2020 as it gets, you know, you got to kind of find that balance. And again, BC is one of these programs that needs to find BC kind of kids, blue collar, get the job done, stay three, four, maybe five years and get the job done. When, when you sort of build up to, to an apex, like we've seen BC hit over the last 10, 15 years, you know, and that's, that's obviously the goal uh, for this group. And, and I think you have to take those kind of chances if you want to build that. Now, John, you mentioned, you know, we're talking about the kids that some, some of them might be under the radar, but there's been some, you know, you did your whole list of the SI top, uh, SI All-American top 1000, and there was quite a few Boston College players on that list. What players stood out to you in terms of your evaluations, players that caught your eyes or, you know, someone that Boston College fans that are listening to this podcast are going to want to keep an eye out for in the future? Well, there's, there's certainly several. Um, in this group, there is a very large defensive back haul. And that's, that's something that, of course, again, sign of the times, right? It's 2020. Teams are passing to set up the run. So how do you counter? A lot of DBs and versatile DBs. I see at least three guys 
on this commitment list in the secondary alone. I know we talked about big guys earlier, so let me move to DBs. Three guys in this secondary group alone who can play at least two positions. And I say at least two because now we know, you know, that nickel, that inside DB, it's, it's called a star in some defensive schemes. That hybrid defender mm-hmm. is so, so valued. So you need your, your Clinton Burtons who are more cover corners, can run, ball skills, length, can do all of those classic sort of corner things. But then you need your guys who bring a little bit more physicality, a little bit more size to, to the table. Whether you go Jalen Cheek, you go Sean Gates, for guys who are above six foot, have a frame that can carry over 200 pounds. Now you can play a little bit more physical. Again, if you're recruiting aggressively, you expect to, to translate that uh, onto Saturdays. And I think that's something that I see in that secondary group with this Boston College uh, commitment list. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball, I thought Emin Moreland or Moorhead, excuse me, was a really interesting quarterback. Um, again, another one of these guys that we, we couldn't really watch this year. Big pro-style quarterback, you know, 6'6", 220 pounds or so. When you watch his tape, first of all, effortless touch, all of the big arm stuff you would expect from a kid that big. But there is this off-scriptness to him that it doesn't look as fluid as as some of the guys that everybody knows, right? He's not going to move like Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But there's this sort of confidence and, and off-script ability with Moorhead that I kind of love and he takes chances and he's willing to stand in there and take hits. So he's, he's kind of a reflection of what, what I see on the commitment list and with the approach for Boston college. So I'm, you know, it's like anything else. The more you look into something that, that somebody else has said, Hey, this, this works, this will work. You sort of start to see the vision. And, and that's what I'm seeing. The more I look into this BC class. Locked on Boston college. This is AJ black here with John Garcia, John. Now, on Wednesday, the early signing period begins. And for Boston College, it's usually not an um, exciting day because most of the time they're a school that's going to have most of their guys locked in. They're not going to have, you know, the signing ceremonies for some of these kids, that, you know, where they're picking hats and things like that. But the big one, the big recruit that all Boston College fans are talking about is Drew Kendall. Obviously, his dad is a, you know, legendary Boston College player. And Kendall is down to... Boston College and Stanford what what you know if you've looked at his tape what do you see about Kendall um, that makes him a you know a a top 1000 player you know a four-star on some of the other sites what do you notice about him that would you know garner BC fans to get pumped for him well you noted the bloodlines and I think that's you know we are (laughs) I think a lot of of criticism of of evaluation in this business has a lot to do with giving the benefit of the doubt, but I, I counted that and saying, Hey, we're human. So yeah, if we know Kendall's father is who he is and he, he, you comes out on the hoof and, and kind of looks the part there. Yeah. He's going to get some of that benefit of the doubt. So right off the bat, physically, you know, frame wise, mentality wise, you're not really worried about him as a prospect. And then you mentioned the schools he's down to, right? BC Stanford, it tells you between the ears, he probably can get that much, better going forward because of, of his capability to to learn and apply something in general which is reflective of those two academic scholarship offers so right off the bat he's checking boxes without you know seeing one play of football but when you do turn that on you get it 
you know, he moves incredibly well um, for his size. And he brings some interior experience to the table, which is, I think, important. You know, he's not this super sloppy 320-pounder who is kind of just bigger than everybody he's dealing with. No, he's he's got to be a good athlete there in the trenches. The footwork, the angles, the efficiency all have to be there because he's not this you know, supreme overpowering presence. So I think that interior ability combined with sort of a nimbleness is really crucial here. You know, I think it projects him in in the modern offense even better than if he was just this 330 pound road grader who's great in a phone booth, but but can't get out on the move. It's 2020. We're about to be in 2021, right? Yep. These offensive linemen need to be longer, more athletic than they've ever been. They need to be able to play both in the phone booth and in space on the move, uh, whether it's the run or the passing game. We're seeing a lot more offensive lines pulling on pass protection plays. Um, so whether you're doing something like that or running something like a very traditional quick three-step zone type scheme, um, you need you need somebody who can snap up in a stance and and lock onto the assignment as quickly as possible or and or diagnose what's coming uh, with that defensive line, stunts, blitzes, things like that. So. I like the measurables. I like the pedigree. And then when you pop on the tape, I like the fluidity and the movement skills. That's really, really important in evaluating offensive linemen. The bulk will come. We know that, you know, these kids are going to be on a whole different sort of meal plan and and mentality when they get to college. So the lighter frame doesn't worry me as much as it does at other positions because we know those pounds are going to be packed on. And we also don't, don't need our offensive linemen as heavy as we used to. So it doesn't take long to figure out why Kendall is, is still so coveted. All right. Thank you so much, John. John Garcia, he is the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior or at SI All American to follow his site. John, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, AJ. All right. In a moment, we are going to grade Jeff Halfley's first year at Boston College, a moment you're not going to want to miss. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Built Go. If you're like me, your day is go, 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 as I said before. But at one moment, at, at one time during the day, you're going to hit that wall. For me, it's between 2 and 3 o'clock. It's the moment where I cannot get anything going. And that's when I reach for Built Go. Built Go is a 1.5 ounce energy drink that is perfect for whatever you need to get through your day. You can throw it in your briefcase, throw it in your bag, throw it in your coat pocket if you need to. It'll help you get through the day. It's like a five hour energy drink without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural and it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. You know, a third of the caffeine, that is good because that means you're gonna feel better when that is done. How's it work? It is loaded with the good stuff. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and just a kick of caffeine. Not too much that's going to give you the shakes, but enough to get you going. Now, collagen, that's also in there. It's a collagen protein. It promotes joint, soft tissue, and hair and health. This stuff literally makes you look better, and it comes in three delicious flavors. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate mint, and my favorite, chocolate coconut. Now, all you have to do is go to visit Built Go. All you have to do is visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. 
This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Tomorrow, we are going to talk to Otto Hess. He is an offensive tackle that is going to be joining Boston College as he signs on Wednesday. So you're going to want to check out what he has to say about Boston College and his road to the Eagles. Now, I have talked a bunch about basketball this week. And no one really wants to talk about basketball. And I get it. I, I look at my numbers and it's like, oh, basketball segment just like a dive it's like a dive bomb in terms of you know what you guys want to listen to so let's talk more football because that seems to be what really gets you guys going and let's get positive because right now i am going to grade jeff halfley in his first year at boston college now we have all seen what's happened this year we had covid19 we had a new offense put in place we had a new quarterback put in place and we had the games on the field we had recruiting. We had all of these different aspects, and we have to now look and just judge where Jeff Halfley is at. Now, when we're grading a first year, I think it's fair to say, after 2013, we were pretty happy with what Steve Adazio had done. He took a team that was 2-10 and 10 and got them to a bowl game in just one year, and he looked like he was going to be the answer for what Boston College needed. Now, with hindsight being 2020, many people are going to go, no, 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 that's not true. But remember, he's the same coach that also had BC in the game against Florida State for a while, and they were that you know juggernaut. And so when we grade Jeff Halfley, just remember that. I'm not saying he's anywhere the same coach as, as Steve Adazio, but we fall in love with coaches after the first year, and I don't blame you if you did after this season. So Halfley, he goes out there. He, the team is 6-5. and five. They win five ACC games. The most BC has ever won. Uh, sorry, not ever won, but won since 2009. So 11 years since the last time they've won that many games. That's a check in the plus, plus uh, column in my book. However, there were at least a handful of games that BC couldn't close out. The game against UNC, the game against Clemson. Yes, they were both very good teams. And that is, again, in the, in the plus column. However, Boston College could not finish those games. So, a little bit on the negative side there. We can, we can be fair there, right? Let's look at recruiting. Recruit Recruiting class is a 40 right now. Good. It'll get better, I think, under Halfley. But is it where you want the school to be right now? No, but that's fair. He, I mean, gosh, look what he's had to do in recruiting. He's had to, to basically get kids to commit to a school that they've never seen, to a coaching staff that they've never met. That in itself is an accomplishment because other schools haven't had to do that. You know, some of these schools are either in states where, you know, like Florida, where it's a free-for-all and everyone can go visit and that's fine. Or there are schools where this they've built relationships over years. Halfley's a new coach. He needed to get guys on campus. He couldn't do that. So to get a for, the 40th ranked class and a class that if they get Drew Kendall and George Rooks could jump into the low 30s, that's a huge home run in recruiting. And look at where they're going with the class of 2022. And you can see the potential for Jeff Halfley's recruiting classes. Huge plus. The first thing he did as Boston College's head coach, he got Phil Dracovic to come here. We'll throw that in the positives too, because that obviously was a huge move. He got one of, if not, you know, one of the best ACC quarterbacks this year with Phil Dracovic coming in, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, and was able to throw for 2,500 yards, only five interceptions, and I think he had 17 touchdowns and three on the ground. 
he's a quarterback Boston College has not seen since Matt Ryan. I am not even that's not even a, a question at this point. And he has two more years, three if he decides, um, at Boston College. That is exciting. That is program uh, energy right there. Another plus. He identified coaches to come here that fit this program. Frank Signetti has done an excellent job of putting this offense from a run-first offense to a pass-first offense. Now, we would want to see a little bit more balance in the in the run game, but they had their moments. We could see more when they when they get the running backs that they want in this offense. He's a positive. Azar, he brought in Azar Abdul Rahim, who is a home run position coach, guy we need to watch out for because he might be a guy that some other team tries to poach. He locked down the DMV area, and he's going to give Boston College a huge leg up in a recruiting area that is fertile with recruits. Another plus, Tem Lokobu. Say what you will, Boston College's defense went in the right direction this year, and they're going to grow more when they get the guys that they need in in on campus. Tem Lokobu, I think, is going to end up being a very good hire for Boston College. So you have him. Joe Daly. I think he's an under and 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 uh, Matt Thurin, their special teams coach, two guys I think that are completely underrated in terms of what they've done for this program. Watch out for them because that special teams uh, SP plus had the special teams at a sixteenth ranked sixteenth this year. Remember how bad BC's uh, special teams has been? Matt Thurin, who Jeff Halfley hired, has got Boston College as one of the best special teams uh, group in the country. Again, so coaching hires, home run for Jeff Halfley. How about in-game adjustments? <laughs> we call them halftime, you know, without the L. Halftime adjustments. He, he's hitting it out of the park there, too. He's been able to get offenses to, you know, every game this year, he's been able to figure out little things, at least to make the games interesting, but ways to keep the games going. Boston College lost some games in games that weren't particularly close at times, but they never got blown out. They kept games close. Even the UVA game at the end, they were still in that to the very end. So Halfway's been able to do that. And again, contextualize this whole thing. He did this all during the pandemic. When he's doing this through Zoom, when he's doing this with players that are giving up everything that they have to, to be able to get this going and to get players to buy into his system. I have no clue how you do not give Jeff Halfley an A for this year. Yes, they didn't win a few games that they might have, they could have, but they're going to get there. This is a coach that gets it. This is a coach that is going to bring Boston College to the next level. And he started it this year. He is going to do things for Boston College that we haven't seen since uh, you know, Jeff Jagosinski and Matt Ryan. And I think Boston College fans, when they get on into, onto state, into that stadium and we can get recruits onto campus again once the vaccines are you know, hopefully whittled out COVID enough, this program is going to take a huge leap. And, you know, strap yourself in because I don't know how many years of Jeff Halfley we're going to get, but it's going to be a special time. He's an A coach. He was an A coach this year, and he's going to continue doing that. This is AJ Black. We're going to be back tomorrow to talk more recruiting and any breaking news for Boston College. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, give us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Write a review. Say, hey, I loved AJ's talk today about blah, blah, blah. You know, just just fill it out and let us know because it helps other Boston College fans find this podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow my site at Boston College SI on Twitter or me at AJ Black underscore BC. I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. 
people who have emailed me, thank you so much. Sometimes I don't have enough time to respond to all of you. It's been a pleasure, and I'll see you all again tomorrow. Take care, everyone.